and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Glad you guys are here. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, go ahead and do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. You can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. And of course, guys, if you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. If you wouldn't mind, just take a moment of your time, scroll down there, click that five-star rating, helps the podcast grow and I would really appreciate it. Now on today's show, we have the most common mistakes in aggression. Yes, a little more, more of a serious topic, something that has to be discussed. I don't want you guys making these mistakes. So if you are one of those people, listen in. Uh, then we have relaxation and what to know. Yes, we're going to have a Zen segment today. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not doing any of that stuff. We're talking about relaxation with your dogs, what you guys need to look for, how to get your dogs to relax, and the importance of it. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. And if you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, keep them coming my way. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to just message me on social media. Now, before we get going with today's show, have to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, what is the only venomous mammal in Australia. Yes, what is the only venomous mammal that lives in Australia? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, the most common mistakes with aggression. Definitely a more serious topic today. Aggression is never a fun thing to deal with. First and foremost, get it out there. It's not something any trainer, anybody looks forward um, to having to deal with. And, you know, it's funny. uh, I don't remember how many episodes ago, but we talked about aggression. talked about it a few times because it is a very important topic to discuss. And I remember saying years ago, I I really thought I wanted the aggression cases. You know, I was young and and spry and (laughs) I wanted I wanted I wanted a challenge. Right. I got a lot of puppies and younger dogs and easy dogs and stuff like that when I first started training. And I remember saying to another behavior specialist, like, I, I, I want the aggression cases. And he said to me, no, you don't. And I understand now what he meant because, first of all, first and foremost, who wants a dog to be aggressive? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody wants that for the people, for the dog, for anyone. So, you know, it, it, it's a tough thing to talk about, to deal with, to, um, to tackle. And you'll even find that there are many trainers and many people out there, many professionals who will not touch aggression with a 10-foot pole. I used to give them a hard time. The older I get, the more I understand. You know, um, it's, uh, it's a touchy subject. So let's let's just dive in. Let's just start talking about it today. And look, the first thing I have to say is if you do have a dog with aggressive tendencies, aggressive issues, guys, call a professional. Don't mess around. This is serious stuff, you know, and that's why we're going to talk about some of the mistakes because what I want you to do is at least try not to make some of these mistakes before you get out to a professional, before you reach out, because this is not the easiest stuff to deal with all the time. And look, even even people out there, and this is the other disclaimer, people that go, David, I had a dog years ago, it was a rescue, he had some aggression issues, I've dealt with it before. Full-blown honesty uh, time, guys. One dog, one success, that's not expertise, I'm sorry. I'm really happy that you were able to get that success if this person is you, and that's wonderful that you were able to help that dog. But I can guarantee you, if you've only done it once, you will hit another wall with a, with your current dog that has some aggression issues. If you're not an expert on it, if you haven't spent a lot of time understanding it, it, it can be dangerous. It can be downright dangerous. I don't want to see you get hurt. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. No dogs, nothing. All right? So let's be smart about this stuff. 
Okay, Call a professional, hire a professional, and make sure you are knowledgeable in what you're doing and you understand the techniques that go with solving any kind of aggression issue. Now, with that said, there is a very big difference between aggression and aggression, uh, aggressive tendencies. Now, <laughs> thankfully, guys, whew, majority of dogs out there that have any kind of like aggressive issue, they're not what we truly consider an aggressive dog because most dogs um, that maybe have some possessive or this or that, that's an aggressive tendency versus full-on aggression. Look, in all my experience in years, I've come across very few dogs, thank goodness, that have full-blown aggressive tendencies. I'm talking to a dog who doesn't care. There's no, there's no thought going on. It's I'm coming at you and my intent is to cause as much harm as possible. Anybody out there, any professionals, anybody, anybody that's ever experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. It's very different from a dog being possessive over a toy or their food bowl. Serious stuff as well, but different worlds, guys. So that's the first thing I wanted to spell is I don't want to call dogs that have aggressive tendencies aggressive dogs because that may not be the case. If it's a trigger that specifically sends this dog uh, into aggression or something or just that moment, different. All right, so kind of splitting hairs there, but same time, not. Nah, there's a difference. <laughs> I know some of you are like, well, David, aggression is aggression. Yes and no, all right? Yes and no. Um, okay. So, do you know what 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 really influenced today's um, segment is that I've come across a few people in the past few months, and one just very recently, where I've heard some very bad, just just downright very irresponsible, dangerous advice being given by professionals, uh, quote professionals, to people that that is making their aggressive tendencies with their dog worse. There is this myth that if we just give aggressive dogs treats, that they'll warm up to you and love you. Guys, that's a myth. That is not necessarily true. And as a matter of fact, for the most part, it will not be true. Because the thing is, while some dogs that might redirect their brain enough out of it, they jolt it, oh, treat, and that's not always the case, right? I, I, I told this story months of, quite a few episodes ago. I had a client months and months ago. Um, she had hired a professional before me, and basically... When someone entered the home, the dog would get really aggressive. I mean, nasty, nasty amounts of aggressive, not let the person in, want to attack them. And so this trainer told them, <laughs> put the dog away in a bedroom, bring the person into your house, sit them down in a chair, give them a handful of treats. Dog comes out on leash, right? You control it. And as the dog is gong, 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 gong at the person, the person's supposed to toss them treats. Y'all hearing that? The dog is acting aggressive, is lashing out at the person, and this professional told them to give the dog treats in that moment. So, when I came over for the consultation, uh, they had me sit down in the chair, they told me the whole deal, and I said, okay, <laughs> this is gonna go well. Dog comes out, gah, 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 at me now. I withheld the treats for, for a little bit. So withheld the treats and went, gah, 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 and then stops and immediately looks at the floor and starts searching for food. Boy, does that show you there's a pattern that's been created and reinforced and strengthened? The dog comes out, lashes out, and gets food. This dog literally thinks, I'm supposed to come out, come at you, and then I get rewarded and fed for it. Big no-no, guys. Big no-no. Don't be bringing food out with aggressive dogs unless you know what you're doing. Simple as that, because you could be reinforcing the wrong thing. We'll talk more about this in a second. Um, but basically... I just ran into this again where somebody else um, through mutual client, same, you know, same, same deal, same deal. The dog is in an overexcited, crazy state of mind 
And this person's supposed to feed them treats. And the second the person stopped feeding them treats, right in the leg. <laughs> like, because the dog is literally being reinforced and told. The information they're being given is act like a lunatic, act aggressive, act nasty, and you get food. So the food stopped and it went, oh, I'm not being nasty. I'm... I, I can't make this stuff up. This is, this is absurd to me. I don't understand why there are professionals and trainers out there literally giving people dangerous advice. I mean, right there, guys, this person got bit because of this advice. It's terrible. Ugh, it's just terrible. It's terrible. So that to me right there is the biggest mistake over like we're not don't even have to get it. right there. Stop giving aggressive dogs food if you don't know what you're doing, guys. It's a very, very bad thing that could potentially go a really bad direction. And again, I don't want to see anybody get hurt out there. Guys, got to be smart about this stuff. Got to keep a head on your shoulders. And, and, you know, even then, if a trainer gives you advice, and I've had people that have said to me, look, I really didn't like what that trainer was telling me, so fired them and someone gave me your card and talked to you. Good on them. Get another piece of it. You don't have to love me, but <laughs> if your gut is telling you, you don't like what this trainer is telling you, you don't like what this trainer is saying, something is not adding up. I don't think this is the right way to go about it. Look, you may be right, you may be wrong, but trust your gut and get a second opinion. It doesn't hurt anybody to get a second opinion, right? So that's kind of how I feel. If something in your gut is telling you it's not right, get a second and even third opinion. And then if all three opinions agree, the professional opinion, well, then you know, right? So it, it's just, oh, it's just sad to me because people, dogs, are, people are going to get hurt. Dogs are going to get hurt. They're going to get put down. I mean, that's the consequences that come from these kind of mistakes, right? Okay. So first thing again, guys, is let's be cautious about food and treats and rewarding aggressive dogs because you might unknowingly be reinforcing the wrong thing. Once again, at the beginning of the segment, as I said, hire a professional. It's the only way to truly know. It's the only way to truly have good advice. If you don't like what that professional is saying, get second and third opinions. See if it all adds up. Again, guys, head on a shoulder, screw it on. It works wonders. Um... <laughs> I kid. Um, do I? Anyways, <laughs> next mistake. Next mistake when it comes to uh, aggression, aggressive issues, aggressive tendencies in dogs. Next mistake we make. Oh boy. <laughs> the muzzle. Not wanting to introduce a muzzle. Yeah. Um, definitely a problem. You've got to be able to introduce a muzzle to, to an aggressive dog, aggressive tendency dog. Uh, look, it's one thing if, if their possessiveness is over a food bowl and they need to be eating and they can't do that with a muzzle on. Different story. We approach that differently. Um, but needless to say, if your dog is aggressive on leash, if you can't take your dog for a walk without it lashing out, if people come into your home uh, and it lashes out or, or all these other ways that they have to be exposed to a person or a dog for these things to come out, the muzzle is going to be your best friend. You know, I talked about this a while back that a muzzle has a bad rap, a uh, bad rap for being this, oh, scary muzzle. Come on, guys. It, it's a it's a tool and it can be associated as a good thing to your dog and there's nothing wrong with using one, okay? Best way to start introducing a muzzle is just slowly bringing it out, bringing it near your dog, maybe even just petting them a little bit with it. Now, again, guys, be cautious. I don't know what the triggers are for your dog's aggressive tendencies and so it's important that you understand those things before using any of these techniques. Again, Hire a professional, <laughs> okay? Um, so the muzzle is something we can introduce slowly and get them comfortable with it. And over time, they'll learn to accept it and put it on, and then we can go for a walk safely. 
Okay. The muzzle really is a necessary tool when it comes to aggression to keep everybody safe. Um, and a lot of times it can even eliminate your dog feeling the need to lash out. Just taking away that ability, you know, they know it, they're not stupid. Uh, they, they know they've got this thing on. And just taking that away can sometimes actually bring the intensity level of your dog's aggression tendencies in those moments where there are those triggers. It can bring the intensity down a lot. I've seen it time and time again. So please, please introduce those muzzles. Uh, it's going to be your best friend, okay? So first thing again, guys, just want to stress it. Let's make sure we're not using treats unless we know what we're doing. You could be unknowingly rewarding that uh, the anxiety and the aggression, okay? And number two, introduce a muzzle and use it, <laughs> right? Very important. Now, the other biggest thing that, uh, or one of the other most common mistakes people make with, with aggression, and here's the thing, is this is tough, right? But this is where the muzzle, it's kind of like two and three go together here, okay? Exercise. Exercise, 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 exercise. If your dog has any kind of aggression, tendency, or issue, it means part of the problem, part of it means you're not exercising your dog enough. David, he's a rescue. I know, exercise your dog more, okay? <laughs> There's no reason not to get out and exercise your dog more, okay? The more tired they are, the less chances that they're willing to go down that aggressive road. Doesn't mean they won't, just saying it helps tremendously, okay? Um, so this is the thing, this goes back to the muzzle. Well, David, how do I exercise my dog when he lashes out at every single dog we walk by? It's tough. That's a tough one. Maybe you gotta wake up at 4.30 in the morning and hit the park before anybody gets there so you're alone. Oh my gosh, David, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Um, if that's what it takes to get your dog exercised and bring that intensity level down, it's what it takes. Look, sometimes just getting them off of that intensity makes them more willing to work with you. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but it's true. It makes them more malleable and more apt to want to listen. It's just like ourselves, guys. I mean, when we exercise regularly, we feel better. Our mental clarity is better. Uh, maybe I need to exercise more. I can't talk. Um, <laughs> you know, so something to think about. You got to exercise your dog more and yourself uh, in order to get them in a better state of mind to be trained. Aggression, it's more necessary than ever because, you know, it's one of those things where your dog's state of mind, if they've got this aggression, they're, they're, they're like out of whack. It's like, here's, here's where they should be down this, you know, in this nice corridor. And then they get outside of it and get in. Get in. So in order to get them back and stay focused, you've got to exercise them. Okay. So again, this is where the muzzle comes into play. If you can't get your dog out and you haven't introduced a muzzle, look, I know it's not what you want to hear, but it may take a month or two to get them totally comfortable with the muzzle and to be able to get them out on a walk to even get that exercise in. Training is patience, guys. People really don't like to hear that, but some of these behavioral issues can take months, months to solve. Depends on the dog, depends on the person, depends on the time and energy you put into it. Okay, knowledge too, more important than anything, knowledge, gotta know what you're doing, all right? So these aggression things are just, the aggressive tendencies, they're just, they're not the simplest thing to deal with, and it's something you have to have the ultimate patience for. Muzzle first, then the exercise. Okay. And if you can get your dog exercised, you can take them for hour plus walks every day. You heard me, hour plus walks every day and get them exhausted. And if you consistently do that for weeks, you'll be shocked. You will be shocked how different your dog is. So the other biggest mistake is people do not exercise their dogs enough when they have these aggressive tendencies. Um, you know, again, just in general, a generalized rule is everyone out there, you, 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 all of you, you don't exercise your dogs enough. <laughs> Whether they have these issues or not, I can almost guarantee you're not exercising your dog enough. Every home I go into, every single one, nobody, nobody has met the criteria for walking their dog properly or enough. And it's got to be both. It's 
got to be both, guys. Quality and quantity. Especially, especially if you've got a dog with some uh, aggression issues. Okay. Now, the other biggest mistake people make with aggression dogs, with aggressive tendencies, with any of this stuff, coddling them. Coddling them because, oh, it's a rescue and he has these tendencies and I'm, oh, I feel so bad and oh, I just protect him from the world and that's not going to help. It's not going to help. As a matter of fact, that's going to make it worse. You heard me right, guys. If you have a dog with aggressive tendencies, the worst thing in the world you can do is coddle them. No, they need some tough love. I'm talking to you people out there who have the dog that's possessive over you, mostly mom, isn't it? Um, has this cute little chihuahua that bites everybody that comes near mom. How many times have you heard that one, guys? <laughs> okay. It's because they're coddled. It's because they're coddled. And the dog thinks the person is weak because they're coddling them. And it feels this need to overcompensate with aggression because, well, you're not bringing it, so I'm going to. It's true, guys. It's very true. So another big mistake in aggression, coddling. You cannot coddle your dog. You can't baby them. You know why? Because they're not babies. They're dogs. Oh, goodness. All right. That goes for any, look, that's anything. Even if your dog doesn't have aggression aggression issues, if your dog has anxiety issues, uh, and especially it's like glued to one person in your house, it's, it's because they're babied. Right? That person probably babies that dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's funny. I'll, <laughs> the other day, it just reminded me of a story. The other day, uh, I'm at somebody's house, and we're talking about her dog. And it's a puppy. She's having housebreaking issues. And she tells me, oh, they've gotten better. And um, But the dog keeps pooping in her bathroom. And I looked at her, and I said, pooping on the pooping on the mats in the bathroom? And she would, like looked at me surprised and goes, I don't know how you knew that, but but Yes. Maybe it's because I'm a professional and this is what I do for a living and I'd like to think I'm pretty damn good at it. Call me crazy, guys. Um, it, <laughs> it kind of boggles my mind when people are shocked that I like know what's going on with their dog. Weird. <laughs> Sorry, I know. It sounds a little, mm, but come on. I mean, it's just, it's like anybody, any professional. Guys, if you've been doing something long enough and you you're, you can, you're, can consider yourself an expert in the field and you've been doing it for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. Um, look, years ago, I lost count. Uh, this was like three or four years ago. I had like 65,000 dog training hours or something like that, like estimated rough, like 65,000. So I, that was four years ago. I can't even imagine where it is now. Like it, that, no, it was 80, 85,000. I don't remember. That's just it. I, <laughs> I lost count. Um, because that's how many hours. I have dogs in my home 24-7 for training, you know? Like, this is something I do day in, day out. You see the patterns day after day after day after day, month after month, year after year. It starts to become crystal clear, like you can, you know, it's like any profession, any expert. But for some reason, when it's someone's personal dog and it's their own little individual dog, and that'll, oh, no, I can't predict that behavior. That's, they're, they're, they're too complicated for me. <laughs> Okay, I'll be quiet now. I'm sorry, jumping off the soapbox. Anyway, guys, those are the four most common mistakes when it comes to dogs with aggression issues. Okay, aggressive tendencies, right? Okay, first and foremost, guys, food, treating, rewarding. It is so important that you know when to treat and more importantly, when not to treat, when not to reward a behavior because you might unknowingly be rewarding the aggressive behavior. So please be smart about those treats, understand what you're doing, and if you don't, get help and get advice from a professional, right? Okay, uh, second thing is gonna be that muzzle. Make sure we're introducing it early and slowly. Take your time, do what you gotta do to make sure your dog is comfortable with that muzzle. 
uh, so you can get out and about into the world more and be able to work with your dog in a safe way for everybody, right? Third thing is that exercise. People don't do it enough with their dogs, and especially when it comes to dogs with aggressive tendencies, you've got to exercise your dog. If you think a half an hour is enough, think again. Guys, hour plus, unless you have the little teacup thing or whatever, no, hour plus walks every single day, possibly even multiple walks in a day, playtime, all kinds of exercise, swimming. I mean, I can think of lots of ways. Of course, it always goes back to the walk. Um, but exercise, exercise, exercise. It's gonna be the key to bringing that intensity of your dog down to being able to manage the behavior and train it, right? Last and certainly not least, um, don't coddle your dogs, guys. Stop babying your dogs because they're not babies. They are, in fact, dogs. That's why we love them, right? Because they're not children. (laughs) So don't treat them that way. Treat them like dogs. Stop babying them. Stop coddling them again. Same kind of thing as the food. You might be unknowingly reinforcing that behavior, okay? So with that said, of course, call, hire a professional. Please, guys, aggression is not something to be taken lightly. Aggressive tendencies, any of that stuff, all beyond, underneath, everywhere, all right, any of that encompassing word. It is not something to be taken lightly, and you need to be knowledgeable and educated on how to properly go about solving these problems safely, right? Safely. So please, please, please hire a professional, know what you're doing, and be safe out there. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, relaxation and what to know. Now we're not talking about human relaxation today. I'm not going to be leading you guys in a doggy meditation or dog yoga or anything like that. (laughs) No, we're going to be talking about relaxation for your dogs. Now, at the same time, though, guys, it is very important. It's very important that you guys are relaxed. Uh, That's going to transfer well to your dog when it comes to training. But hey, I think in order for any of us to be productive, we have to take some time off and relax. So don't forget to do that for yourself, whatever that might look like. Um, You know, some people like different things for relaxation. Whatever you're into, make sure you do it. (laughs) Okay, make sure you take some time for you and you relax. Got to do it, guys. Uh, Look, if if you're really stressed and you're overworked, then I can tell you right now, working with your dog is not going to go so well because your dog is just going to reflect back, excuse me, what you're giving off. And if you're not relaxed, if you're not calm, it's just not going to go very well, right? So that's not what we're really talking about today, though. What I want to talk about is relaxation in dogs and something very specific. Um, When it comes to puppy training, you know, I, I, I try to teach everybody when it comes to puppies, one of the biggest things that people miss out on doing is reinforcing and strengthening and training relaxation. 
right? What do most people do with puppies? What do most people, ah, it's crazy puppy time. Oh my God, it's a cute puppy. We gotta be like this. I have to talk in a really high pitched voice and I have to be all like this. And oh my God, I gotta get him as excited as possible. and so excited that he's peeing all over the place and jumping all over me and mouthing me and being a lunatic. Oh my God, this is normal. This is what normal looks like with puppies. Right. <laughs> it is. Uh, unfortunately, that is what people do with puppies. Don't they? We're all really good at getting them all excited and overexcited and pumped to a point of absurdity, in my opinion. Um, but, <laughs> but what people don't do is teach their puppy to relax. Look, I always say, if we start at excited, right? Like, here we are. We're at excited with this puppy. He's already excited. He's already really doing it. And then somebody comes in and starts going, ah, making him really just nuts. And he gets to overexcited. Guess the only, pl- the only place we can go ever back to. Guess, guess where the only place that we can go back to is. Excitement. Because we haven't been anywhere else. And I see this a lot. You see it a lot. Think about it, guys. How many of you out there know dogs that are just crazy? They're just crazy. Your friend's dogs, your own dog, your family's dogs. They're just nuts. They're nuts. And the reason why is because it's a behavior that got reinforced. Yep. It's a behavior that got strengthened. Yep. And so the dog just sits and thinks that this is what I'm supposed to do is constantly be like this because this is how I get food and affection and all. That's just, this is what I always do to get it. I think it's kind of sad that a dog has to live their life like that. But they're a dog. They don't know any better. They go off what information they're given. And unfortunately, as human beings, we don't give the best information. So when I'm talking about relaxation with your dogs, it starts when they're puppies, guys. I tell people, I don't care what's going on. If your dog goes and lies down on their own and relaxes, just look at them and go, hey, good boy. That's it. Move on. That's it. We don't have to go, good boy. Oh my gosh, you're such a good boy. No. (laughs) You say, hey, I like what you're doing. You're relaxing. Good boy. Keep it going. Spend time teaching your puppy to relax. Because if we're relaxed, guess what we can do? We can get excited and we can have fun and we can be a puppy. We can play and we can be nuts a little bit within reason. And we can run around the yard and we can chase our friends and we can tug on toys. And and then if I need them to go back to relaxed, we can. Because we were there at some point. (laughs) But if your dog never experiences, never lives in relaxation... They don't know how to get there on their own, guys. And this is where anxiety comes from. This is where issues with dogs come from because people don't teach them to relax, right? Now, a lot of times I'm at like a consultation and I'm waiting for a dog to sit on their own. I'm not asking for a sit command and you can see it. Like I'm trying to kind of body language wise, maybe guide them there a little bit, but I want them to come and make that decision. I don't want them to hear sit and go, oh, I get a treat. Okay, we're gonna talk more about this. This is what this is about. And oftentimes the client will say to me, oh, he knows a sit. Oh, he knows a lie down. And I'm like, I'm sure he does. But that's not what I'm trying to do. No, that was a little, that was a little mean. That's not what I say. That's what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but seriously, it, it, I look at him and go, yeah, you know, that's, that's cool. But I'm not, I don't want him to sit because I'm telling him to. I want to see where his mental, I want to see where mentally he's at. Because if it takes him 30 minutes to go into a sit on his own, What does that tell me about that dog's excitement level and state of anxiety? How about this, guys? How about anxious dogs? Anxious dogs that have issues, like let's say dogs that have issues with other dogs. I find very, more often than not, a dog like that doesn't like to sit down very often or especially in front of like a new person like me that they're maybe not so sure of yet. 
They don't like to sit down or it takes them a long time to. And then it takes them even longer to go into a lie down. You know, again, it's patterns, guys. It's patterns. You do this long enough time and time again, and you start seeing these patterns. Well, let's see. Here's a dog who's not anxious, and he relaxed within five minutes of me being here. Here's a dog who's got some anxiety issues. They said he's a little aggressive with other dogs. He sometimes doesn't like dog sniffing as you're in. And it took him 35 minutes to lie down and relax. Okay, here's another dog. It was somewhere between those two. This one was at 25 minutes to relax. You start to see these patterns, and I do. I have a watch. I watch. I look. I see what time it is. I see how long it's been. When I bring dogs into a boot camp, bring them home, same thing. How long does it take them to relax? It tells me a lot about their state of mind. When it comes to dog training, state of mind is everything. If your dog is in an overexcited state, number one, they're not going to be able to learn. They're not. And they're just not like, and I'm talking overexcited. I'm not talking excited. There's a difference between excited and overexcited. Overexcited leans more toward uh, frantic is the word I'd use, right? Frantic. Frantic is not over, is not excitement, guys. Okay. Frantic is frantic. Otherwise, I wouldn't be calling it frantic. I'd be calling it excitement. Okay. <laughs> you see why it's important to identify these things correctly, understand what relaxation looks like in a dog. Any of you guys ever see, and I love it, it's usually like a guy in his 70s, early, late, you know, late 60s, early 70s. He's got a good old farm dog with him. And that dog just listens. And that dog is just chill. Now, the reason is because it's got a good owner who put in a lot of time and training, who taught that dog right from wrong, who taught that, brought that dog out into many situations to teach it to deal with whatever's going on around it, gave it a job to do, working on a farm, get it, you know. Wonder why that dog is well adjusted. Probably because he reinforced calm, good behavior. Those are my favorite dogs. I love those guys. There's, actually, there's a gentleman around here, and uh, I see him all the time because he's got this green, old green truck. It's awesome. And, I, you know, I never really get the greatest look at the dog. It's funny. Anytime I see him, he's always, like, passing me. And the dog's in the back, but it's a covered truck, so you can't really see. It looks like maybe a Great Pyrenees. It's tough to tell. Uh, maybe not quite, though, because I'm not sure he's quite that big. It's Again, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to get a gauge on it as he's going by you. Um, but he's always in that truck, man. I love it. He's always with his owner. He's always chilling. Doesn't matter if there's dogs barking at him. He doesn't care. He's just hanging out. It's the coolest thing. Um, anyway, because the dog's relaxed. He's chill. Think about who your favorite dogs are, right? Who are your favorite dogs in your, over your life? Who, who have been your favorite dogs in your life? The crazy, frantic, nutso ones or the calm ones? So we see the importance of reinforcing and strengthening relaxation in our dog. So again, what do we look for? Yeah, sure, look, there's nothing wrong with teaching your dog to lie down. And as a matter of fact, when they're puppies, that's how I teach them to relax, because they, they don't know to, right? A puppies are, you know, they're puppies, and <laughs> they act like puppies. I have to teach them to relax. So a lie down is a great tool to get you there, but it's not the end all be all. If I start teaching my dog lie down treat, lie down treat, lie down treat, they start learning relaxation gets me something. And then they're more inclined to go do it on their own. See what I'm saying here? That fine line, right? People spend the, you know, they, they train commands as like this thing we set aside 10 minutes for. I use and train commands all the time, no matter what I'm doing. You're bothering me, puppy? Hey, go lie down. Good, stay. Relax. Teaching it to relax. Stay. Good. Okay. So it's not something I'm just going to set aside 10 minutes for. We're going to work on it all the time. Then that transfers over into, oh, dog goes relaxation, gets me something. Duh, I want to keep relaxing. This is a no-brainer. 
opposite side of the spectrum as we talked about a few minutes ago. Dog says, oh, I'm overexcited, I'm crazy, and this is gets me stuff. I'm gonna keep being overexcited and crazy. It's all what's reinforced, guys. It's all what's strengthened. And a dog that's nutso, it's been strengthened. Simple as that. The owners, friends, family, whoever interacts with that dog has been strengthening and, and, and reinforcing that craziness. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite things, <laughs> least favorite. Uh, when I'm out in public, <laughs> this gets me. It does. It does. This gets me. I'm out with a dog, and this dog's in my boot camp program, and I'm training it. And you know, I'm trying to teach the dog to not get so overexcited when it greets people. Common problem, right? And so I go to approach a person, and they go, "Oh, cute puppy!" from 100 feet away, and I have to go, "Hey, you know, we're trying to train it to relax." And they go, "Oh no, I don't care. I don't mind a crazy dog." And they keep trying to get my dog, the dog, overexcited. And I go, "Well, no, we're we're in training. We're trying." Oh no, it's okay. I don't mind the dog jumping all over me. Like, did you not just hear me? I said I'm trying to get this dog to stop doing what you are reinforcing it doing. And then I'll even tell people, "Well, you know, it's a client dog." Somebody's paying me to get this dog to stop doing this. And they'll still, oh, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. <sighs> Crazy. So one thing I like to do, guys, one of my little secrets is when I have puppies, and I try to do it the best I can, I try to get, I try to make high-pitched crazy noises that you're going to hear people do out in public, and I try to teach the dog to sit down whenever they hear that noise. Sit down and relax when you hear, that cute puppy. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, you can actually teach your dog to ignore that stuff. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> so it's something you should do. Work on that with your dog. Teach them to ignore that nuts, crazy overexcitement, and instead teach them that it means relax, right? Um, so look, a lot of times when I'm working with a dog, I like to let them figure it out because the more their brain works, the more tired they are, the more fulfilled they are, the more it gives them something to do and the more it makes them want want to do something for you. But if you just spoon feed them all the info con constantly and you bribe them to do everything, stop bribing your dogs, guys. That's not training, that's bribing. Like, stop doing it. I don't know why people keep doing that. Even when I tell them not to, they still do it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Stop bribing your dogs, okay? Wait for the relaxation, then pull out the treat and give it to them. Then say good boy. Wait for the relaxation, guys. That's what we look for. A lot of times it's waiting the dog out. You know, when I first get to a console, I got a puppy, I leash him up, they're jumping on me, I might give them a little push down, you know, no, no, maybe ignore it, whatever. Okay, they're not gonna get anything from me. They're not getting affection, they're not getting treats. And then all of a sudden the dog goes, Plop and sits down, and I go, boom, treat, reward, good boy. And then all of a sudden they start jumping on me again, and I give them a little knee, and then they, and then I wait them out, and they relax, and they sit down again, boom, treat. Then they jump on me again, but then the third or fourth, fifth, maybe sixth time they start going, well, maybe I'll just keep sitting here. And if they keep sitting there, boom, treat again, good boy, boom, treat again, good boy, boom, treat again, keep that going, strengthen it. Okay, then I take the treats away and wait it out. What happens? The dog still sits, still stays for 20 more seconds, boom, treat again, extending it even more right? Dog gets up again, gets excited. Oh, no, here's that same piece of info. Little knee. No, I don't like that. I'm going to sit back down. Wait, if I sat down, this guy gives me a I'm going to sit back down. Boom, treat again. Then before you know it, after about 10 minutes of this, the dog ends up just going boop, boop, boop and relaxing and going into a lie down on their own. Don't even have to ask for it. And then I give them a handful of treats when they do that going, see relaxation. Boom, big jackpot reward, dude. Good job. Okay. They continue lying down, good boy, another treat, another treat, another treat, strengthen, strengthen, strengthen. 
by making that dog work for it, think about it, come to that conclusion on their own, they actually end up getting into a better relaxed state because it chops away at it. As opposed to they're here in this overexcitement, they're up here overexcited, and I say sit, and they sit down, and I say lie down, and they lie down, but they're still excited. Their brain hasn't slowed down because we didn't do anything. All it was is trigger and response. Sit, oh, I sit, treat. Trigger and response. Whereas if I just remove myself and wait for it, they're going, wait, what did I do to get that treat? What did I not do? No, I jumped on him. That didn't give me anything. Sitting down. Wait, sitting got me something. Maybe I'll sit again. You see the difference? That's how you create a stable-minded dog, and that's how you bring down the overexcitement and increase the relaxation, guys. Can't stress it enough. Gotta teach your dogs to relax. And most importantly, if you have a puppy out there, do it now, guys. Don't wait. It's harder to teach an older dog to relax. It is. It's not impossible, but it's harder. (laughs) Okay, so if you've got those puppies, take advantage of it, guys. Take advantage of it. Teach them to relax. Strengthen and reinforce anytime they relax on their own. They go and lie down. I don't care what's happening. Tell them, good boy. They go lay on their dog bed and chew a bone. Good boy. They come up and lay on the couch. If that's acceptable, next to you, good boy. It's that simple, guys strengthen relaxing behaviors and your dog will be more relaxed. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the only venomous mammal that lives in Australia? It's the duck-billed platypus. Yes, the male duck-billed platypus actually have half-inch spurs on their hind legs. Now, these actually can contain venom and inject venom, and they use these as a weapon to either defend themselves or when fighting against other males during mating season. Now, the venom is very powerful. It can kill animals larger than a platypus. However, it can't kill humans. So nothing to worry about there. Just would be very, very painful. So yes, it's the duck-billed platypus. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about Ulysses S. Grant. Now, Ulysses S. Grant, he was the 18th president of the United States, and he served from 1869 to 1877. As president, he was committed to ending slavery and removing Confederate nationalism from the South. He began a military career uh, at a young age, being accepted to West Point. Now, while he may not have stood out academically, he did become an excellent horseman while there, studying under a Prussian horse master. Now, horses were Grant's favorite, and his family had quite a few of them over the years. There was Jeff Davis, a wartime mount, Cincinnatius, a saddle horse, Egypt and St. Louis, carriage horses, Julia, racing horse, Reb and Billy Burton, Shetland ponies, Jenny and Mary, Nellie Grant's mares, and Butcher Boy, and he was just listed as a horse. Now, the Grant family also had Gamecocks and a parrot as well, but of course, they had dogs too. (laughs) Yeah. Now, uh, Rosie was rumored to be a black and tan dog with no breed that was sighted. It was said that the president would often take his dinner out to the barn, and he'd sit and eat with Rosie and the horses and have some conversations with them. (laughs) Yeah, not much else is known about Rosie, but there was another dog whose sheer size may have kind of, uh, well, outdone Rosie and put her in the shadows. Yes, this was Faithful, and Faithful was a Newfoundland dog that belonged to Grant's youngest son, Jesse. Apparently, Jesse had suffered the loss of multiple dogs, and the president put out a letter to the staff saying, if this dog dies, every employee in the White House 
will at once be discharged. <laughs> now, it was said that Faithful was a happy, calm, and easy-going dog, as Newfies tend to be. Now, interestingly, there were several Newfoundlands that were presidential pets, some we've talked about, some maybe not yet, from the mid to late 1800s. President James Buchanan started this off with his Newfie named Laura. Then there was three presidents uh, that later came... Um, Excuse me, then three presidents later, Grant and his faithful. Then after Grant's term ended, the next president, Rutherford B. Hayes, also had a Newfoundland named Hector. Finally, the next president after that was James Garfield, his Newfoundland veto, which we've actually talked about before. So be sure you check out all the first pet segments with a few more to come. Uh, we've been listing them off and we're going to keep it on going. It's been a lot of fun. Definitely have learned a lot. It's been really interesting and neat. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. And uh, hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Kim from Littleton, Colorado. Kim asks, my dog whines whenever I'm on the phone or a Zoom call. It's really a problem because I work from home and usually have at least four to five calls per day. How can I get her to stop and go lie down? She is a four-year-old yellow lab. Oh, Kim, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of my dogs did this when he was a puppy a little bit. We got him to stop pretty quick, though. Um, you know, I actually did a segment on Zoom calls, and, you know, it's funny. I should have looked at what that segment was before I'm answering this question, but it's way back there. Um, <laughs> and how to get your dog to stop. But look, the first thing I'm going to tell you is you have a yellow lab. I'm guessing she's bored, and she needs bigger walks, longer walks, more exercise. Look, being that you work from home, you got an advantage, right? Going to kind of wag the finger at you. Walk your dog more. Um, also, listen to all of the segments about walking your dog. Very important that you're doing a proper walk. It's not just about, you know, how long you're going. It's about the qual uh, quality of it. So quality and quantity is very, very important. Another little thing you might want to consider is taking your dog for a walk right before your calls right? Um, get her really tired. Get her really, really exhausted before you have one of those Zoom calls or a phone call. See if that helps. See if that makes a difference. Now, another angle we can hit this at is teaching your dog a spot, right? A place command. Uh, go to your place, stay, lie down. Maybe give her a bone to chew on while you're on the phone. There's nothing wrong with giving her a little distraction. Um, and also, you can bring out that toy only when you're on your Zoom or phone calls, and that way it's kind of a special treat, makes her want to go lay down on her bed. So a couple different ways I would hit this, exercise, 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 and more exercise. Do the exercise right before your call so she's nice and tired. Teach her a spot command or go lay down on her spot to teach her to stay, and maybe even give her a little treat to hang out and enjoy while you're on your call. Next question. This comes from Taryn from Orlando, Florida. Taryn says, what is your least favorite breed of dog to train. <laughs> Honesty time. Here we go. All right. So what's my least favorite dog to train? Look, I'll be honest. I love training dogs. I do. And yes, there are some breeds that tend to be more of a favorite of mine. How could they not? Everybody's got different personalities, likes, dislikes. Um, if you've listened to my podcast, you've heard me say I'm partial to retrievers. Okay. What do I not like? Mm, doodles. I said it, Taryn, I said it, ah, I'm going to be hated. I don't like doodles. I don't like training them. I don't like working with them. And it's the dog I work with the most um, because it's the in dog right now. And there's a lot of inbreeding and overbreeding and things like that that are going on that maybe don't make the best dog. We don't have to get into this today, do we? I don't have to go down this rabbit hole now. Okay, so <laughs> you simply asked, what's my least favorite breed? There it is. My least favorite breed to train, any kind of doodle. <laughs> 
That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. If you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. Get ready for our YouTube channel launching soon, so be sure you check back. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. <laughs>